Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, the Public Service Commission opens an investigation into Liberty Mobile amid customer migration concerns. A lack of traffic citations by peace officers leaves lawmakers with questions. A 25-year-old man is killed on the island of St. Croix. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. On St. Croix late yesterday afternoon, a man was found dead from gunshot injuries he sustained. Virgin Islands Media Relations Coordinator Kishma Chichester has the details of the incident. On Wednesday, February 14, 2024, at approximately 5.01 p.m., a concerned caller reported an unresponsive male in the Aradias Heights community. Members of the Virgin Islands Police Department responded to the scene and observed an unresponsive adult male on the ground. The victim sustained several gunshot wounds about his body. He was identified by next of kin as 25-year-old Daniel Sanis. Daniel Sanez's death marks the third homicide so far this year, including two on St. Croix and one on St. Thomas. Anyone with information is urged to contact the police by calling 911, the Criminal Investigation Bureau at 340-642-8449, or send an anonymous tip to Crime Stoppers VI at 1-800-222-8477. The Virgin Islands Police Department has updated that 14-year-old Kimia Schillingford of St. Thomas has been found. In a hearing seeking to update lawmakers on operations from varying local law enforcement divisions and entities in the territory, Senator Kenneth Gittins made note that invited agencies all employ peace officers with broad enforcement powers. Senator Gittins wanted to know specifically how they were enforcing the territory's laws and questioned why they had not issued any traffic citations as testified. That means we have no uh, traffic infractions out there. Hence, my concern that we have people running red lights, we have people operating vehicles unregistered, no license plate, uh, broken windshield, everything, and we have some 22 certified law enforcement agencies. Agency representatives responded to Senate President Novo Francis, who questioned the rationale for not pursuing that aspect of enforcement. You don't find it's your responsibility, you don't see the violations. What, what, um, what is happening in that space in respect to doing good traffic enforcement? Start with Department of Health, and then we go to DLCA and, and um, certainly DPNR. Once Harris, Director of Environmental Health and Enforcement. Um, the, the biggest challenge, and, and it's not an excuse, I think is the way we're unable to obtain um, traffic citation books. Um, we, we've tried in the past. Uh, some of the citation books that we uh, actually were able to acquire were books that were already used from officers who uh, actually gave us their books. And we, when we uh, conducted initiative, we were able to give the citation. DLCA? Um, Wilbur Francis, Director of Enforcement at DLCA. Um, I wouldn't put an excuse on it. What I would say is that we don't have any cite traffic citation books, um, but we, I know that we can secure them. 
um, ordinarily my guys are busy with doing their daily administrative functions of the Department of Licensing and Consumer Affairs. And to be quite honest, I just hadn't ordered that task in addition to everything else that's being done. Okay. DPNR? Howard Forbes, Director of DPNR Enforcement. Technically, it's a budget issue. My funding comes from the U.S. Coast Guard. So I, I'm basically being audited every year in regards to hours that the officers are actually doing the requirements on the water for the grant. So if I put them to do traffic citations, I'm going to be flagged for not working on the, on the grant itself. Even if you're looking for turtle eggs or you're looking for... <laughs> Small fish. Um, now, if you know, a blatant if a blatant violation occurs in in the presence, so I, I just want to say, as, as, a, as, as a law enforcement officer, I could find any reason. As a follow up to DPNR's testimony, Senator Gittins countered with the amount of funds allocated to the agency based on their previous budget testimony. You get one point five million dollars in local funds, and five hundred and a little over five hundred and ninety thousand dollars in federal funds. Most of the, your um, federal funds or your fully funded um, entities is CZM and Division of Fish and Wildlife. He continued that there was an expectation of full enforcement from all law enforcement entities. We could uh, lessen the number of accidents that we were seeing. We could lessen the number of opportunities for individuals to utilize these unregistered and uninsured vehicles to commit uh, crimes, et cetera, okay? So don't, 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 don't take it that I, I'm just looking at, just give a ticket, give a ticket. Because as a career law enforcement officer, I wasn't just arresting people, arresting people. In a regular meeting held this week, the Public Service Commission grilled Liberty Mobile executives over their handling of the migration from cellular provider AT&T. Isabel Tier has that story. If you're a Liberty Mobile customer in the Virgin Islands, you are likely aware of the ongoing service issues with the cell provider. Those issues were discussed at length during this week's Public Services Commission meeting, where Executive Director Sandra Satori listed off some of the customer complaints they had received. Complaints varied, and they included the quality of incoming and ongoing text messages and calls, delayed text, group texting, drop calls, area coverage issues. Director Satori then went on to recommend that the commission open an investigation to monitor the migration process from former provider AT&T. After careful consideration, the staff recommends that the commission open a docket to monitor and investigate Liberty's acquisition of AT&T, the migration process, and system upgrades in addition to the quality of wireless service in the territory. Liberty Mobile's newly appointed country manager, Ravindra Maywalal, acknowledged the customer's complaints and said the problems were due to the complex nature of the migration from AT&T's system. I acknowledge that we are uh, having challenges with, and it's primarily driven from this migration process. Um, we are working as diligently as possible to try and resolve the issues as quickly as possible. But these assurances were not enough for some commissioners. Commissioner Raymond Williams said he knew many customers who were trying to transition to alternate cellular providers due to the poor service provided by Liberty. Liberty has gotten through and the timelines that Liberty are providing to customers is grossly unacceptable. 
I'm intolerable. These sentiments were echoed by other members of the PSC, including Commissioner David Hughes. I've never seen a migration go this badly. I, I was in systems engineering software for a while. Commissioner Hughes went on to say that he couldn't understand Liberty's decision to plow forward with the migration once major issues presented themselves. I find it almost inexcusable that you guys continued, once you knew you were going to have these problems, continued to, to put them on, on customers. Liberty's migration program manager, Balabalakrishnan, spoke on the complexities of the migration process. And one of the major issues he discussed was the number of different types of phones used by customers. We had to essentially go through not only building our own systems and testing them uh, completely thoroughly, but uh, also we had, as I was describing, we had many, many different types of phones. And we had to test every one of them. While the PSC is limited by federal law in its regulatory power over liberty, the Federal Communications Commission has said that state and territorial commissions should monitor these companies for customer service issues. And so it is these customer service issues that are at the center of the PSC's decision to monitor and investigate liberty during the remainder of the migration process. Boyd Sprain, general counsel for the PSC, said the goal of the decision to monitor Liberty was to gather information and help customers impacted by the ongoing problems. We will be looking to get information from Liberty as well as from customers on the number of complaints, how those complaints have arisen as a technical matter, and what is being done to prevent those complaints from recurring. A lot of this is going to be technical work. Some of it is administrative work, um, so we're going to be working out from a couple different angles looking at that. Federal law enforcement officers apprehended four Venezuelan nationals suspected of drug trafficking off the coast of St. Croix. They seized an estimated 5,000 pounds of cocaine. According to documents filed in U.S. District Court, Customs and Border Protection personnel were conducting aerial surveillance on the waters of St. Croix late Sunday night when they detected a vessel 67 nautical miles south of the island. Assistance from a nearby Royal Navy vessel was requested to intercept. The vessel did attempt to flee and jettisoned 29 barrels overboard. Shortly before 3 a.m. on Monday, the vessel landed at Long Point and ongoing aerial surveillance observed four men running into the bushes. An hour later, personnel from the U.S. Homeland Security Investigations and the Drug Enforcement Administration took all four men into custody. Other federal law enforcement personnel investigating the abandoned vessel found blue barrels filled with 74 bales of suspected contraband on board. Field tests identified the substance as cocaine. Daniel Marvel Navarro, Disael Carreno Carreno, Felix Jose Bermudez, and Luis Lugo Marval have been identified in court records as the men arrested. They face charges of conspiracy to possess a controlled substance with intent to distribute and possession of a controlled substance with intent to distribute. A preliminary and detention hearing is scheduled for February 22nd. As lawmakers considered new legislation sponsored by Senator Donna Fred Gregory to make revenge porn the 15th of domestic violence crimes in the territory, Assistant Commissioner Mario Brooks, representing the Virgin Islands Police Department, recommended that the age limitation included in the bill should be revisited based on cases they've seen across the territory. 
excluding minors from the scope of protection overlooks the significant prevalence of non-consensual dissemination of sexually explicit images among young people, particularly in our school systems. It is imperative that the legislation addresses this issue comprehensively without excluding any demographic group. Territorially, there have been 23 cases filed with VIPD from 2022 to present. Of the 23, 16 involved distribution by minors. Acknowledging the inclusion of teens in domestic violence situations, the month of February is nationally recognized as Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. It is estimated that one in three U.S. teens will experience physical, sexual, or emotional abuse from someone they're in a relationship with before becoming adults. Studies have also found that negative or abusive behaviors in unhealthy relationships are more likely to increase over time. We spoke with Dr. Clemmer Lewis, director for the Women's Coalition on St. Croix, on the red flags to look for. Some of the just normal signs parents need to look out for is, do they know the person that they, teenagers dating, number one? Have the parents set any rules on what age were they teenager? And when I speak, I want to be clear, I'm speaking for boys and girls because both of them commit acts of violence against each other. These are the additional signs Dr. Lewis says you need to be aware of. Watch if your daughter or son behavior changes. Watch how they act when they're around the person. Check out their language. See if their language changed. See if they change. their clothing has changed. See if they locked up in the room. You need to check the phone, see what's going on on those cell phones, as well as on those laptops and computers. She says oftentimes, girls are more aggressive perpetrators. Any forms of hitting, and I have passed and stopped when I've seen teenagers got one up against the tree. They slapping them, they hitting them. Uh, girls are famous for grabbing the boys' phone, throwing them down, uh, scratching them up. The boys will choke them and hit them with their fists or slap them. So, if certain behaviors one sex do more than the other one, that's why I said. Either sex could be just as abusive as the other one. And then let's not miss the big, big S word, forcing them to have sex if they're not ready, forcing them to have sex without using protection, forcing them to take these movies, these sexually explicit videos and taking pictures of them with uh, different private parts of their bodies and then sending them out to their friends. If you or someone you know needs assistance, Dr. Lewis says they are always available. If you just need to talk to someone, you have questions, whether it's the teen or the parent, you can call 773-9272. It's a 24-hour number, seven days a week, 365 days out of the year. I have a child therapist that does counseling and work with teenagers, and I have other counselors that can work with the parent as well. Please call us if you just need to talk, you're not sure, you have questions, 773-9272. Minority Senator Franklin Johnson has called for Senator Milton Potter, chairman of the Committee on Disaster Recovery, Infrastructure and Planning, to hold a meeting amid the news of the Biden-Harris administration's recent approval to increase the federal cost share for recovery projects related to Hurricanes Irma and Maria in the territory. Senator Franklin says he wants to hear from the key players. My reason for asking for this meeting, and let's speed this up, is to make sure we find out what plan they have in place to execute and take all advantage of these differences in the 10% versus 2%. It's a big difference in cost. And if we don't 
make sure that the government is prepared, which is the administration, with a plan to execute these things, we could end right back up to paying the same 10% after six months. He says his call for the meeting was not fueled by ill intent, rather a need for community awareness. Some people, I think, they, they read into it differently as if I'm attacking the disaster recovery committee and team. It, it's not that. It's time is of essence. And we sit back sometime and think we got all the time in the world. When I call you and talk to you next time, it'll probably be six months. When we spoke with Senator Milton Potter, he shared that an informal meeting with Disaster Recovery Office Director Adrian williams Octolin was already previously planned, but it had to be rescheduled as it was planned for the same day of the cost-share announcement. He says there are plans to meet with Director williams Octolin next week before scheduling the hearing. I told Senator Johnson that we were on it. We have been meeting. We are going to expedite the scheduling of this uh, meeting. But prior to that, we also are going to sit and talk so that we can get the the most out of the meeting. It's not just going to be a meeting on the floor where, you know, individuals have sound bites. Senators get sound bites, but we hope that this could be a, collab- a collaborative effort. Senator Potter said he hopes to schedule a public hearing a week or two after next week's meeting. H. Natalie Hodge has officially been sworn in as Commissioner for Department of Licensing and Consumer Affairs. During a ceremony at Government House on St. Croix, Governor Albert Bryan Jr. credited Commissioner Hodge's tenure with the agency, as well as her dedication as factors for being tapped for the role. What you have in Natalie is fairness, integrity, in terms of looking at it from several sides and doing what's the best thing for the community. That's why we are here. What is the best thing for our community? To make sure that we have safe places to eat, drink, be entertained, shop. That's her role. And I know she will be exemplary at it. Commissioner Hodge told attendees that she took great pride that her entire career in government has been with licensing and consumer affairs, where she has been able to rise the ranks to now lead the department. My tenure at DLCA has been fulfilling and my affection and dedication for this agency runs deep. Today, I humbly stand before you with deep sense of honor and gratitude as I take the oath of office as the Commissioner of Licensing and Consumer Affairs. Congratulations goes out to the District Spelling Bee winners Ryan Felix and Evan Foy. The competitions were held on St. Croix and St. Thomas today, and a total of 24 students showcased their spelling prowess and intellectual acumen as they took to the stage for rounds of competitive spelling. Evan Foy of Lockhart's K-8 school clinched the title of winner for the St. Thomas-St. John District, while Ryan Felix of Freewell Baptist Christian School emerged as the winner in the St. Croix District. Both are set to advance to the territorial competition scheduled for March 19th on St. Croix, where they will be joined by other district finalists, competing in a pool of 12 students for the title of territorial champion. The 52nd Annual Agriculture and Food Fair is happening this weekend on the island of St. Croix. From February 17th through the 19th at the Rudolph Schulterbrand Agricultural Complex in Estate Lower Love, attendees will be able to tour exhibits, view demonstrations, entertainment, and engage in competitions, games, and a host of other activities. Earlier this week, Governor Albert Bryan Jr. spoke about this year's event. The theme this year is agriculture, our future, and so much more in 24. 
the entrance is $6 for adults, only four for the kiddies, and five for our illustrious senior citizens. It's open nine to six every day. Uh, remember, Saturday is 10 o'clock for this opening ceremony. You could join us under the tent. It's usually a little long, so dress comfortably. And it's going to be hot out there, so make sure that you dress appropriately, drink lots of water. And please, please, support our local vendors and our people. Go out there and spend some money. If, you know, go act fair, go with two, three hundred in your pocket. You buy, buy food for the family, buy some plants, uh, livestock if you can. Just go out there and support. In his address, he spoke specifically to members of the St. Croix community. I said it on Facebook, but I'm going to say it like to take your time and cook this year for the Ag Fair St. Croix. We have a reputation to uphold, so we want to make sure the crab and rice tight, the sauce tight, the wilks and rice tight, no watery stuffing. We're talking about, for me, pineapple tart, number one. I know you like coconut guava, whatever, but make sure it's tight, because what I, I want to just you know, be able to slugs in peace come Saturday. As we make our way down the news feed, we're turning now to our regional report. In a strange turn of events, the U.S. District Court in the Southern District of Florida must now figure out next steps after two jurors express regret in the verdict involving former BVI Premier Andrew Foy. Shortly after delivering their verdict and being polled and discharged, two jurors made their discomfort with the outcome of the trial known, first to court staffers and then directly to counsel for the defense. There are reports of inappropriate contact between jurors and defense counsel, both in the courtroom and out, and in one instance, a juror identified as Juror C, calling the offices of Venable LLP, the firm representing Mr. Foy, on more than one occasion, at one point leaving a voicemail, which counsel reportedly did not listen to. Mistaking the number for that of a friend of Mr. Foy, the call was returned, and during a brief conversation, Juror C reportedly asked what was happening with the case and expressed concern that if all jurors were asked to return, they would never come to an agreement. Counsel reportedly swiftly terminated the call and immediately reported it to the court as well as prosecutors. At a hearing, the court invited both prosecutors and the defense to suggest how to proceed under the unusual circumstances. The government argues that a juror's subsequent recantation, dissatisfaction, or anger with the deliberation process or the outcome cannot be the basis for impeaching a verdict. Parties were given until today to submit any additional briefings before Judge Kathleen Williams makes a decision on how to proceed. For now, Mr. Foy remains in custody, still convicted of all charges against him. We're turning now to our meteorologist for the territory's weather forecast. Relatively quiet weather lining up here for the next several days and nights as a big ridge of high pressure remains anchored to our northeast and a frontal boundary continues to stall over the northwestern Caribbean Sea. Looks like temperatures will remain a few degrees warmer than normal for the middle of February and just a few clouds from time to time as we look forward to the upcoming weekend. Rip current risk will remain elevated at area beaches, mostly north and east-facing beaches, for the next few days. Our forecast details through the overnight hours. A few scattered clouds tonight. We're down to 72 to 76. East to northeast winds at 5 to 15 will diminish. It'll be partly to mostly sunny, low to mid-80s during the day tomorrow, Friday. A few clouds Friday night, nighttime low 72 to 76. Sunshine, partly sunny at times, 82 to 86 on Saturday, 
and just a low 20% chance of a pop-up shower forming by Sunday. For WTJX, I'm Precision Weather Meteorologist Russ Smurley. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. And if you haven't already, be sure to download the WTJX app. If you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.